Hello besties, we are back with another solo pod, so fun, so exciting, it's just me today, just Elisa, because Jania has just gotten off of 24 straight hours of learning and performing The Little Mermaid at her local theater company, which is very admirable a feat I could never do um and so I hope that she's sleeping right now she better be getting that rest after being literally awake for 24 hours and learning an entire musical and performing it because that's absolutely sadistic and insane um so uh because I took last week off we kind of decided we'd do a little flip rooney and I do this pod by myself this week um so, you know, I mean, this is going to be interesting. I, I'm i a talker, okay? And I'm going to try and keep this to a minimum of like an hour. So you're not just listening to me like talk to myself. But it's just like, it's I'm going to go on tangents. I already know. I talk to myself like this. I mean, just as frequently. And just as, you know, oh my god, I feel like I do a solo podcast every second of my freaking life, so I guess we'll see how this goes. But generally, I just really think, you know, I was never intended to be a solo podcast host. I need somebody, like, keeping me in line to, like, just, like, shut up. And Engineer is excellent at that, and, and I think our rapport really works. So, uh, sorry you guys are missing out on that for, for two weeks, but it is what it is. I was camping last week. I was in the outback, the wilderness. Um, just kidding. I was 45 minutes away from the city, but yeah, my family likes to do a little, little annual camping situation. Um, we're from Portland, Oregon. So like outdoorsiness is, I guess, kind of like thrust upon you. Even if you don't have it within you to be outdoorsy, if you live here, it's kind of like, well, what the hell else are you going to do? There's like, there's just so much outdoors to be explored. And it's kind of, it feels irresponsible if you don't spend time outside in, in Oregon. So we started doing an annual family camping trip, like, mm, I don't know, like 15, no, that's wrong. Not 15 years ago. Shit. How old am I? 21, 15 years ago would have been I would have been, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Like maybe like 10 years ago, we started doing like an annual camping trip. Um, and that one was, uh, we won't speak of that, but since then we've kind of honed my family and I, we've honed our camping strategy. We've like gotten it down to like, we can set up camp really fast. We know the spots we like to camp at. We know like the, the swimming holes and such nearby. Oh, my dog's attacking something. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that's what we did. That's what I was doing last weekend. I was also, you know, just like, I I don't know. I, I love camping, but I don't love camping when I'm in the middle of like a busy time in my life. Because for me, it's not like a good escape. It's just like a, an excuse to like spend more time just stressing about things and then not being able to do anything about them. So like, I just have a lot of work to do right now. And I was just like out there with no wi-fi sitting there just being like i could be working on so many things right now um and so in that sense you know it's a little like um not my favorite but anyway i guess that's my intro um i actually have to bring up one other thing that is on my fucking mind since i saw this on twitter last night and wanted to gouge my eyes out um i saw that jake gyllenhaal doesn't bathe (laughs) Like, I think, um, you know what? I'm going to look it up real quick. I think it was something like, he he doesn't see the, the, okay, Jake Gyllenhaal shower. When I searched his name, that's what comes up. He says, he, okay, now he's going back on his word and saying that he showers every single day. But he was saying that he's starting to notice the benefits of something about not showering, your body cleans itself. I said, when I read that, I said, your body cleans itself. Okay listen, 
I don't know what your body's like, but like that you're operating under the impression that your body is a well-oiled machine. Mine, mm -mm. no, my, my body is like a 1996 Nissan Altima. If you know, it's just, it's good enough. It does the job, right? Like it's not, it's not on its last legs. Like my bod's okay, but it's not working at full capacity. It never has. I mean, let's be honest right now. Like, I don't know how many people know this, but I definitely um, had cancer as a child. So like, you know, she's just, she's been through it a little bit. I like probably have IBS. I don't know. It's never been diagnosed, but like judging by my stomach habits, yeah okay like everyone this year I found out via TikTok that I probably have fucking IBS and on top of that I'm like mentally ill in a variety of ways so you know if my body is already working so just just not at the highest level of functioning how the fuck am I supposed to expect it to clean itself I don't know what Jake Gyllenhaal thinks he thinks like if his body sure he probably thinks his body's like a fucking g-wagon or something right but, but, but upon looking at it, I don't think I would, I don't think anybody looks at Jake Gyllenhaal and says, mm-hmm, yeah, that's a 2021 G-Wagon. No, no one's saying that. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just, I, how, how does your body clean itself? Like the vagina cleans itself. I, yeah, there's certain organs that clean themselves. Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't have a vagina and I don't think that any other part of the body cleans itself other than the mouth. I suppose your mouth somewhat cleans itself, although you do have to brush your teeth. I don't know. I'm like grasping at straws here trying to figure out the hell he's talking about cleaning itself. There is something to be said for like hair. Like I think there was probably a time in my life like showering. Okay. Showering and washing your body, right? This is like a big debate on the internet right now. Showering and washing your body is super fucking important. You got to do that shit like every day because the world is nasty right but your hair is a different story I think it depends on the person your hair is like you know depending on the texture depending on like what products you use in it obviously certain people are going to clean it clean their hair more often than others and there's something you said for like your hair's natural oils do get like stripped if you clean your hair too much so I get that that idea of like holding off on the hair washing because the hair will replenish its own nutrients to a degree obviously that doesn't mean you should never wash your hair but like you probably don't have to wash your hair as much as the rest of your body if that's what Jake Gyllenhaal is saying sure I don't think that's what he's saying I'm I, I think he's saying that he's not gonna bathe that bathing isn't there's no merit to bathing and Ashton Kutcher said the same fucking thing I swear to god I will not set foot in my bed at night if my body is dirty that's disgusting all right well I mean obviously this is also operating under the impression that you have access to clean water and the resources with which to keep yourself clean so completely disregard this in the in the absence of those privileges but I'm pretty sure Jake Gyllenhaal has access to clean fucking water okay I don't know that just pissed me off that was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning and I was like yeah we have to talk to this we have to talk about this on the pod today anyway okay let me get into my I already kind of talked about my my week but well I guess last week I was camping so this week this week I just did I worked on a spreadsheet, a single spreadsheet at work for three full days, like nine hour days, three of them. I spent inputting, manually inputting values into like a 700 like value spreadsheet. There's, there's like so, so many letters and numbers that I looked at over the past week. My brain is a little like fried from that. Um, but what's interesting is I definitely feel like it's helping me with my movie knowledge. I'm inputting a lot of data about movies and, and television. Um, and I think it's helping me. I I'm the type of person who does the thing where it's like, if you watch something and somebody's in it, you're like, yeah, like either you like, I I can name an actor like pretty, pretty accurately off of like a glimpse. 
and I'm also somebody who like if I see somebody I can't name them I have to like it, it will eat me alive so I'll either spend the entire movie trying to figure out who the person is because I don't like to look it up because it pisses me off when I can't figure it out like in my brain or I'll like pause whatever I'm watching until I can figure out who the fuck that actor is because it drives me absolutely insane so this spreadsheet that I'm doing I have to fill in a lot of information about directors actors producers dps and i think it's helping me to like hone in on my knowledge of of who actors are and then also i'm gaining a better like i i love being able to be like who's that actor oh they were in this this and this and it's totally like i'm like oh my god this is helping me so much so i also like to do the thing my friend Zoe taught me this Zoe um is gonna be I mean I don't know if she taught me this but we definitely have talked about this before so I'm gonna give her her flowers um Zoe needs to come on the pod this is gonna happen at some point but the celebrity connection game is like mm, mm, it's like my favorite thing to do when I'm bored if you like go like basically google like celebrity randomizer and put like two and then it'll show you two random ass celebrities usually if you do actors like sometimes if, if it's not actors it's kind of hard because you're like well what is these what have they done together but if you do two actors you have to connect them via their projects that they've worked on so it's like how many degrees of separation does this actor have from this actor and hollywood is so small that it's like pretty easy to connect people so um yeah, I don't know. I was going to pull up an example. I don't have an example. It's not going to happen. That would take too long. But, like, this person, you know, whatever. Anne Hathaway was in this movie with this person who was in this movie with this person who's in this movie with Natalie Portman. So that's how Anne Hathaway and Natalie and Portman are connected. Um, anyway, so that's a fun thing to test your movie knowledge. And it's really fun when you don't let yourself Google. And then once in a while, usually, it'll, like, it'll eat me alive if I can't. If, I, if there's like some movie that I'm like I know these people would be connected through some and then sometimes I let myself look at their filmography but super fun game um I don't know there's nothing else that I have to report on my week um I guess also I finished I ended my my nanny job that I had this past like four-ish months um with this little baby um and so that was sad. I said goodbye to her. Oh, and ah, forgot to talk about this. My teacher from high school, who's like my favorite person in the world, um, had a baby earlier this year and she lives in California now, but she was visiting um, Portland because she used to live here, obviously. Um, and I got to meet her and her bit. Well, I met her and her husband, of course, but I got to meet the baby. And so I got to say, I had to say goodbye to one baby. And I said hello to another baby on the same day. It was a very emotional day for me. I love babies. There's a lot of feelings happening in my heart. Um, but yeah, solid week. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just auntie duties. I love being an auntie. Um, but yeah, sol solid, solid past seven days. All right. So in the fashion of the podcast, as we've done before, um, we always pick the movie for one another to watch, but this past two weeks, we we still did that, but we wanted to do, like, recent-ish movies, because what we normally watch is not necessarily recent. We just kind of watch whatever the fuck we want, um, but we were like, okay, let's do, let's try and keep it, like, let's do, like, a frequent, or, I mean, recent movie review, something that came out within the past year, and so I think um, I had Janine watch Gunpowder Milkshake, which I still haven't listened to the podcast that she did because I want to watch Gunpowder Milkshake first and I haven't had time to do that. I'm a horrible podcast co-host. Like, God, I'm sorry, man. This is like, that's not nice. I had to text her to see if she did all our normal segments for last pod for this because I was like, I haven't listened to it yet, but I also didn't want spoilers on Gunpowder Milkshake because I want to watch a fucking movie. I don't have time. Anyway, forgive me, Jania. I love you. Hope you still love me. But uh, the movie that Junior picked for me was Luca. Um, well, I said that so animated. Luca. Um, and I was excited. Uh, my family had already watched it. And I also am not somebody who, like, goes out of my way to watch a Disney movie by myself. Like, I'm not one of those people. I'll watch a Disney movie if I'm in the presence of others who are interested in watching a Disney movie. But I'm never going to, like, go on Netflix and be like, yeah, I want to watch sleeping beauty like no 
I just like I mm, they're not for me I feel like Disney movies are comfort in the sense of like I watch them when I'm around my family but I don't really watch them by myself and so my family had already watched it so I was like I guess I'll probably not freaking watch it um and they did the same thing with In the Heights which I still haven't watched but that's not a Disney movie anyway but my family watched it loved it um and I was not present for that viewing and so I was like okay I'm excited Janina's making me watch this I don't normally watch Disney movies by myself um and yeah, and so we're going to kind of get into it. A uh, quick summary of the movie plot, which is always off the top of my head. When, I mean, we stopped writing down our summaries months ago, to be truly honest. But um, I guess you would describe it as, so the main character's name is Luca. We love an eponymous uh, movie title. He's a, I think, you know, 12-ish year old boy, young, young child he's not actually a boy he's a sea monster a male sea monster um but you know it's a little ambiguous because the sea monsters can turn into it's kind of i'll get into it but basically he's a little sea monster who lives under the ocean in right outside of a little town in italy called porto rosso um and he tends to well some some fish during the day generally kind of bored with his life under the water not not truly not loving what's going on um and he you know runs into by chance um this boy named alberto who's also a sea monster but alberto is pretty familiar with the world above the water this is like this is like little mermaid for boys and more modern but also like that's kind of stupid little mermaid can be for boys i don't know why i said that wow let's unpack our gender biases right now together luca's for everyone little mermaid's for everyone anyway though but it is it's giving little mermaid vibes you know what i mean the whole like sea creature becoming a human when they step out of the water anyway alberto is this sea monster who also lives under the sea but goes up to the surface all the time because he i don't know has an obsession with the human world it's more fun up there there's more things to do um and so through meeting alberto luca and alberto become friends and then luca gets taken to the up to the to the world above the water realizes that when sea monsters step out of the water they become human and so he can kind of like it as long as they're not wet, they're human. And so him and Alberto, like, you know, experience life together, become besties. It's fruity. We're going to get into how fruity it is. And then they kind of have this ongoing theme of wanting to run away together, be best friends or more than best friends, um, just live their lives, um, and getting a Vespa with which to do all of those things. The Vespa is a very big theme throughout this, this film. Um, and so they become kind of obsessed with this this attaining a Vespa so they can do what they want to do with their lives. And they find out about a race that's happening. It's a triathlon. That's an Italian triathlon, which I will explain, um, in the town of Porto Rosso. And they meet a girl named Julia. They decide to team up to win the race together so that they can use the prize money to buy a Vespa and live out their dreams of seeing the world together and so meanwhile while this is all happening there's kind of some undercurrents of prejudice the town is very anti-sea monsters um i think they have some trauma associated with the sea monster population so all the humans are kind of like no like if we see a sea monster we're gonna harpoon it type shit um and then there's also the issue of luca's parents who are also sea monsters they find out about him going to the surface and kind of get freaked out by the by the thought of it um and decide to that they're gonna send him to go live with his uncle who's like lives in the deep water of the ocean if he doesn't get his act together and stay below the water and so then when he decides to leave and go to Puerto Rosso and do the race his parents also have to come out of the water take on their human forms and kind of chase him around the town to figure out you know, bring him back to, to his life underwater. So there's just, uh, lots of stuff going on with this movie. So I guess I'll start by saying, yeah, like my biggest thought with this movie is like from a screenwriting perspective, there, there's a lot happening 
um and I'm, it's impressive how well they like weave the storylines into one another um because it's not um necessarily a like normal story structure for um I don't know if it's like I guess I don't want to like limit it but like I feel like this is different than a lot of Disney films in the sense that there's Luca is the main character but it's kind of a two-hander like it's kind of Luca and Alberto are like both run in this thing and then also Julia is a big part of it too and I feel like generally what happens is there's rarely in a kids movie is there a main character and then kind of two forces that are pulling at them the entire time like Frozen you could argue that Frozen is like you know Anna is the main character and then Elsa and um what the hell is her fucking boyfriend's name Anna's boyfriend I don't know the one that talks to the reindeer that guy like they're both you know kind of but the but that movie's actually just about sisters and so what's his name Sven is the reindeer isn't it I don't fucking know I'm gonna this is an example I'm gonna go fucking crazy if I can't look this up. I'm not gonna look it up it's fine it's fine we're gonna we're gonna push through we're gonna be uncomfortable but um but Anna and Elsa are really the the driving force of Frozen together and then the other Kristoff that's his fucking name Kristoff is just kind of like he's adjacent to them and he is helping and he is a big part of the story but he's not in this one it's like Luca I think has equal relationships with Alberto and Julia and what those relationships are it's kind of up in the air they're young kids so it's obviously not going to be like a romantic storyline in either situation but I definitely felt like for me as a viewer I was getting fruity vibes from the Luca and Alberto relationship especially to I think there's like an element of so Alberto's like two years older than Luca and there's like this ad this element of like admiration from Luca's point of view towards Alberto that is like giving very like I don't know it's like it's giving crush which I which I love um and so I was just definitely very much enjoying that dynamic um kind of Alberto showing Luca the world that is above the sea and all this potential but then also you know there's a big amount of of the story where you find out you know Alberto learns a lot from Luca too and then Julia and Luca are like more like I would say that their relationship was giving like brother and sister towards the end for sure but like throughout generally the entire movie they definitely like share different different interests the two of them share from Alberto so they have like these interests to bond over like they love learning they love space they love like all kinds of things to do with like academics and like just the world and and how things work um that Alberto's not quite so concerned with um and then also the whole dynamic of like Julia's um dad is kind of like a paternal figure to Luca in some senses and also to Alberto I guess that's not really fair he's kind of to both um but anyway so yeah that's that is the kind of general triad relationship dynamic that I was noticing throughout the movie and I think it's pretty pretty interesting um and I think the writers did a really good job of balancing not only you know Julia comes in quite a bit later in the story than Alberto does but they still seem to give him and her equal weight in Luca's storyline which I think is really special um and it adds for it adds to the to the film a lot and then also like having more than one character that is a sea monster like going through this experience of like hiding the fact that they're a sea monster and and living in this town made for an interesting dynamic too because there's it, it demonstrates like the differences in how these two characters approach the situation because they're both you know like required to keep this secret so that they can stay above the water because otherwise they're gonna get freaking harpooned by the fish the village fishermen but they have different attitudes towards kind of um maintaining their sea monsterness concealed um and i think if it, was, if it was just luca like say alberto was not a part of this movie luca just found out that he turned into a human when he came out of the water and went through this whole thing with julia and was like trying to get this vespa whatever like it there the movie would lose out on a lot of um i don't know just really interesting 
zhuzh that I felt like was happening with the Alberto Luca dynamic. So, anyway, yeah, um, definitely. Oh, I didn't even rate the movie. Jesus Christ, I like went so far into this so quickly without even rating it. I guess, hmm, okay, rating wise. Um, do we rate out of five or ten? It's been so long since I recorded one of these. That was a good question. We rate out of ten. Yeah, we rate out of ten. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this movie an, a 7.8. A 7.8 because it is not, again, like not my favorite genre. Like I'm not, I don't go out of my way to watch like a kid's Disney movie. They do, you know, they're happy, they're cute, but it's not like, I don't know. I love a dark movie. I love a movie that makes me feel messed up inside. Um, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but like this definitely didn't, you know, but then again, there's like, definitely there's a time and a place for that. And this is a great movie to like, enjoy with your friends, enjoy with your family, enjoy if you really don't want to have like an introspective moment and you just want to like watch a really lovely story about, you know, self-discovery and possible budding gay romances. Um, anyway though, yeah. 7.8. That seems like a solid score. It wasn't my favorite, favorite, favorite movie ever. And it wasn't even my favorite Disney movie or Pixar movie. Um, I would say probably like, what's, I don't know. I'm going to be boring. Inside Out, I think, is my favorite Pixar movie. I love that movie. I love that fucking movie, man. Like, it's, it never gets old, ever. Um, But... And my favorite Disney movie is Beauty and the Beast. Because again, look, darkness. I love, I love a brooding character. I love, I love a lesson. I love some like scary, you know, like the wolf thing where they go out into the woods with the wolves or attacking them. Like, yeah, you know, I'm into all that. I love a, I love a, a dark undertone in a fairy tale. But anyway, so another part of this movie, I'm not going to like go through it. I feel like I, my fucking summary was so G- Jesus Christ was so epic. Uh, you don't need me to go through this movie plot point by plot point. But another thing that I want to touch on, love the parent characters, Luca's parents. I think um, in general, first of all, we don't get enough parent action in Disney movies, especially like princess movies. They're always like in it for like two seconds and then it's over like Rapunzel's parents are like barely there I don't know I just feel like it's an untapped like gold mine to be really kind of exploring these like I mean Frozen too. like they literally just die so fast it's like it's like a montage like they we barely even hear them speak and obviously that's like I mean it depends on the story right but I think a parental dynamic in a story that is about the kid is a really interesting and untapped resource that not all Disney and kids movies are, are really, you know, mining, right? And in this movie, I thought the parents were fucking stellar and made the movie, like, whole. So the mom is voiced by Maya Rudolph and the dad is voiced by Jim Gaffigan. So that would definitely, that contributes to a good portion of probably why I liked them so much, because um, they're my fucking heroes. But, um... I like that they also didn't reduce the parents to, like, the bad guys, which I feel like, you know, in a movie about a spirited young child that has, you know, desires that exist outside the realm of his parents' understanding, generally, when this is the type of story in the narrative that we're telling, the parents do get reduced to kind of, like, the obstacle in the way of said child reaching his goals. And, like, yeah, in some ways... But in other ways, it's like there's probably a lot more to to that dynamic. Like there's a lot more to the reasoning behind why the parents are standing in the way of their child's goals. That's why I really like Moana, because we do get more of a deeper look into why her dad is the way that he is and has this fear of her what is it going in the water like she's not supposed to swim right like she's not supposed to like sail on the water or something like that I can't remember but like it's all due to like hit like it we really unpack some some parental trauma some familial trauma in that film and then Moana breaks the chain 
of familial trauma. And that's the same fucking thing that happens in Luca. Like his parents are out here, especially his mom, just like scared as fuck of the world above the sea as they should be. I mean, listen, if you are literal sea monsters and your neighbors are a giant town of humans who kill sea monsters, obviously, like, it makes sense why you'd be scared. But there is, you know, the question of like, well, if you can turn into humans when you come out of the water, why are you, why are you still so stressed? Like, I don't know. They just, they're, they take it to the extreme in terms of how nervous they are about Luca interacting with the world above the water. I just don't want him to die, right? But I think the movie does a great job of like, we see their storyline enough as well that we get to explore what it's like for them to kind of come to the conclusion that the world above is also not as bad as, like, although, you know, it's, they kind of come to like, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I feel like they have, they come, they find a middle ground with Luca by the end of the movie where it's like, sure, yeah, the world is dangerous. I mean, it's not like Luca doesn't face some scary shit when he's up there, especially when the townspeople find out that he's a sea monster. Spoiler alert, I'm going to get there in a second. But, you know, then again, there's also, it's, there's something to be said for like, Luca has built relationships with these people and he kind of through that relationship building has shown them that he's not a threat or him and Alberto aren't threats. And so the world above is, you know, it's not as big of a threat as, as it appears to them at the beginning. And it's also just such a good dynamic because I, I love like a funny parental, like vibe that then the vibe that's going on there too they they really like defy um like traditional mother father roles the dad is much more i would say like sensitive um a little bit more timid than the mother a little bit less likely to kind of like go out and, and put himself in dangerous situations whereas the mom she's like i gotta go save my kid you know um and and just very much like going for it from the get-go and they even have like a conversation. I'm, I'm going to forget what he says, but there's even like a funny little exchange that they have about like the dad is like, I'm going to try harder to like, to like do something. I don't, I don't know as, exactly what it was, but they, they are like are talking about their relationship dynamic. Like they're very, they're a very self-aware couple. Um, and I think like p- elements like that in Disney movies is what draws all family members into the Disney movie. It's not just, um, you know, the kids, it's not, it's not just a movie for kids because there is certain things that are like not necessarily geared towards kids, like watching two people who are, you know, experiencing a crisis, their child is gone. They're searching for him. You know, they're also experiencing like funny relationship dynamics within their own partnership and just kind of like, you know, exploring those themselves. Another part of their their whole storyline that's super funny is the fact that when a sea monster turns into a human in this movie, they don't look the same. Because sea monsters, the, the sea monster selves, they look quite a bit different from humans. They're really cute. I mean, I love that they didn't like... I'm, I'm just glad that they're cute. I mean, Disney wouldn't have not made cute sea monsters, but it's like, I don't know. I was just picturing like... I don't know what I thought they were going to look like, but I was scared. I was, like, not that interested. And, I mean, let's be honest. Like, the uncle character, the uncle, whatever his name was, Ugo or something. Yeah, he was ugly. Although, he was my fucking favorite character in this movie. If you've seen this movie, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know he's the best. Um, but the the sea monsters look a certain way, and the human versions of them look a certain way. And they look different enough that it's hard to tell what human form is what sea monster so like luca in his human form looks indifferent enough from himself as a sea monster that his parents are not able to identify him when they go above water and start looking for him in the town and so that makes this entire movie like 10 times funnier because his parents are out here fucking dunking kids in water to see if they turn into sea monsters like left and right just random ass kids that are definitely not their son and the same thing goes for Luca. It, it makes it so, this is such a smart story dynamic because it, it makes it so much easier for this whole story to kind of coexist 
around itself because if it was very obvious who Luca was and who his parents were, they would have seen each other instantly. This town's not that big. They would have noticed each other. You know, they would have taken him taken him back to the water and fucking sent him to go work with his uncle in the deep end or whatever. But because none of them have ever really seen each other outside of the water, they, it's not that easy. And so like these, these storylines can coexist around one another in a way that's really interesting because everybody's just kind of unaware that the other people are in their orbit. And it makes for some pretty funny, situations like when the when the parents first walk out of the water the dad turns into a human and the mom like flips out and like beats his ass and he's like it's me and that part killed me that that was pretty fucking funny um let's see okay so I guess another part that I would be important to talk about is the um the villain of the movie his name's Ercole I think let me let me make sure Yes, Ercole Visconti, the local bully of Porto Rosso. Um, So he's like a man child and just like a big old doofus. Like, I don't. I love a good. I love a silly Disney villain. Let's be honest. I love a villain that is like. I love any villain that is just like. Why? Like, like there is something you said for like, yes, some, some movies, some stories require like a scary ass villain to kind of you know strike fear into the hearts of the characters even in Disney movies there are some scary fucking villains but this movie just like wasn't that wasn't the vibe you know so we needed a bad guy but it wasn't there was no requirement for the bad guy to be like sadistic right whatever and I just kind of love like a dumb villain who just thinks too highly of themselves. And he was reminding me, he was giving me a lot of, like, Gaston vibes. Like, he just thinks he is the shit. And I'm like, nah, dude. Like, what the fuck? He looks like Linguini from Ratatouille, but if Linguini was ugly, I don't know. Because Linguini's cute, but, like, they look kind of the same. Like, he's built the same way. He just has, like, straight brown hair and, like, a weird, I don't know, just a weird vibe to him. Because Linguini is just so, like... Ugh sweet I love him anyway we're not gonna get into Linguini although I do have to ask this question I saw this on Twitter the other day somebody said it's really interesting on certain Disney movies that are set in other places like Luca and um Ratatouille that are set in places outside of America why do only some of the characters have accents of that place so Linguini talks like a normal fucking dude in Ratatouille but like Colette has this crazy French accent and also Remy talks normal but everybody else has a French accent and in Luca it's like kind of ambiguous because I feel like Alberto and Luca both speak pretty much with a normal American accent except for certain words they they pronounce with Italian accents but Julia too like I feel like everybody is like they say an Italian word here and there but everybody speaks pretty normal English all the kids do and then there's like characters like Ercole who like speaks very much in a, in a strong Italian accent. I don't know. Very confusing. Um, but then again, I don't know if it is. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I have a preference as to which I would prefer, if I would prefer all of them to be Italian. I think it doesn't matter that much. It's just kind of a funny thing. Like, how do, how do the people who are creating these films pick and choose who has an accent and who does it? Like, this guy looks more Italian. Let's give him an accent. Like, what is the, what is the margin for deciding who's going to have an accurate accent to the geographical location of the film and who isn't. I don't know. Just something to think about. I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, Ercole. I guess he's just like, I don't know. Like, why are you a grown-ass man in this fucking race for little kids? That's like the biggest issue here. I'm like, that's that's what what makes you look so dumb in this movie. And that's what makes him like discredits him as a villain is I'm looking at him like you are damn near probably, I don't know, at least 25. He can't be younger than that. He's a grown ass man still trying to compete and beat these little kids every single year in the stupid fucking triathlon, this tiny little town. Go get a job. Like, what are you doing? Go do something else. Damn. Like... I don't know. It's just, so that was just, you know, how I felt about his character. And then I want to talk about Julia real quick. I'm really, I just swerved so fast, but I really just don't care about Ercole. I just think he's dumb. But with Julia, she 
it's really interesting. I, I think she is also, you know, she's just lets Ergola get to her too easily. And I'm like, girl, this is a, again, it's a grown ass man trying to beat you, a child in this race. Just let it, just ignore him. But her like entire obsession is to beat him in the race because he's beat her a million times. And I guess she like threw up last time and I don't know. But anyway, I like her character as well because I don't know. I just love it when a female character is not reduced down to like a love interest um, of a male uh, protagonist. And I'm pretty fucking sure. I mean, Twitter will back this statement up, but like, I'm pretty sure Alberto and Luca only had eyes for each other. So Julia kind of got to be free of that burden of being a romantic interest, even though this is a children's movie. So generally like they shouldn't be trying to like push romantic storylines on any of the characters. It, it definitely was giving like, she just kind of exists in as another dynamic to this friend group. And it helped so much, I think, to like allow her to be her own person. She's very funny. She's strong. She's independent. Um, and she like, you know, just really doesn't exist at, to do anything, but just be another part of the trio. So I think that that was a cool character choice for her. I love her hair. She's very cute. Um, and she also, um, what was I going to say? Oh, my favorite kind of situation that has to do with her is there's a part at the end of the movie, well, closer to the end, I guess, right? Where Alberto and Luca get in a fight and Alberto basically reveals the secret of them being sea, sea monsters to Julia. So they're like by the beach and Alberto just w- fucking walks into the water like it's nothing and turns into a sea monster. And so Julia like flips out and like protects Luca. She's like, get back. Da, da, da. This is also like the emotional core of this film. Like, oh, this scene, man, like Luca fucking not even standing up for Alberto, letting Julia protect him from Alberto as if he's not a sea monster himself and then just like fucking abandoning him like yeah this scene had me fucked up um and I was like damn that's cold but then so Julia kind of flips out when she sees Alberto turn into a sea creature when they go back home Luca gets water on his hands I believe and his hands turn into fins so he becomes you know he his his sea monsterness starts to show and Julia sees it and she doesn't freak out in the same way that she did with Alberto and I think it's really interesting I don't really know what that is um what that was trying to say but she was like she just when she saw that Luca was also a sea creature it was less about you know oh get away from me like freaking out kind of thing and more about like I have to protect you like I have to keep you safe because people are going to want to kill you so I don't know I just thought that was interesting and also just cute that she like protected Luca even though I don't know that whole scene is kind of a problematic well I mean it's just it's just stressful but anyway so kind of the ending of the movie I want to talk about they they end up splitting up the team because Alberto leaves and then Luca and um, Julia still compete in the race, but separately as single participants. But kind of the big, the big unraveling of it all is that, you know, as much as they can control them, like, you know, they don't go in the water. They don't put water on themselves. They don't do anything like that to avoid showing the town that they're sea monsters. The race, it starts raining while they're, they're doing the race. And so unwittingly, Luca starts to transform into a sea monster and when everybody notices they're like fuck this shit we're gonna harpoon this dude and then Alberto kind of comes out of nowhere saves his ass is just a little hero and so there's two sea monsters now and it but I mean like (laughs) it kind of the the fact that there's two sea monsters here is overshadowed by the fact that they won or that Luca won the um the race I guess they both won right yeah they both won um but then also like oh this movie it gets me okay so I'm backtracking here this is like kind of confusing but Julia's dad is also a big part of this movie um and he kind of is a 
parental figure to Luca and Alberto when they're in Puerto Rosso. But he apparently has some crazy, like, lost an arm to a sea monster back in the day. Like, has some has some hatred for the sea monsters. Vows to harpoon them if he ever sees them. And when he sees that Luca and Alberto are sea monsters, instead of, you know, leading the charge to, to kill them, he's like, no, those aren't... I, I don't care that they're sea monsters. Those are Luca and Alberto. And I was like, bro, sir, you made me cry right now. Um, so that part was just sweet, too. I loved him as a character as well. He just really... We love a good character evolution. We love it when somebody changes because they learn new information. I love that. You know, it's just... 10 out of 10 character development another last thing that I will say so a part of this movie that is the the reason that I knew this line prior to the movie is because it's all over TikTok but there's a part where um Luca and Alberto are gonna do this jump they're gonna jump this Vespa that they have off this cliff and Luca's scared and Alberto says that you have to quiet down the I don't know what he calls it but there's he's like the voices in your head he he like says I, I don't know does he just call it a bruno it's yeah i think so oh my god now i'm like having like a brain aneurysm he calls it silencio bruno i think right okay yeah yeah right so a bruno is like the type of thought that you have in your head that prevents you from doing something scary because it's like you know it's the stress it's the anxiety and so alberto says you know, you got to scream it. You got to be like, silencio, Bruno, before you do X, Y, Z. That's you're scared of. And so they scream it, they do it, whatever. And it kind of becomes a little through line in the rest of the film. But um, later we find out Luca goes to see Alberto after he's kind of abandoned him. Um, after showing Julia the true colors, they're really sea monsters. Um, and Luca finds out that Alberto's dad, the reason that Alberto has been going up to the surface and just living this free life is because his dad actually abandoned him long before, many, many, many moons ago. Um, and so instead of, he, he's not, you know, just, he doesn't have just like a really chill dad. He's actually just like unaccounted for, um, and nobody's taking care of him. And my brother who's 12 had a really interesting thing to say, cause he came and watched the movie with me yesterday. His theory is that Alberto's dad is named Bruno because Bruno like supposedly, you know, made Alberto feel terrible about himself when he was around and all that stuff. And so I think, I definitely believe that. I think that would, that's a dope theory. Um, so kudos to my brother for that. But yeah, the movie ends pretty happily. So instead of Alberto and Luca going off and living their lives together on this Vespa that they've won with their prize money, they do get the Vespa. But then Alberto sells the Vespa to buy Luca a ticket to Genoa with Julia, where she lives during the school year, so that they can go to school together because he knows how much Luca wants to learn and find out more about the world and be educated. And so it's really, really sweet. And then instead of, you know, just leaving forever and abandoning the situation, Alberto gets adopted by Julia's dad and is going to stay with him and help him fish for the rest of the foreseeable future until the next summer when all three of them reunite again to compete in the Puerto Rosso Cup. So that is the end of Luca. I don't know if I have a favorite quote. I just think, you know what? I would go back. I, probably like anything that the Uncle Ugo dude said, because that shit was funny as hell. When he was like, hit, punch him in the heart. <laughs> I think Jim Gaffigan's character, the dad, was like telling Luca to punch his uncle in the heart so that his heart would like start again and he would be able to keep talking. That part was funny. Um, but I don't think I have any specific quotes. So yeah, that's Luca. I hope my um, absolutely disjointed retelling of that film was not completely unpleasant for people. So in other news, I gotta do my Sarah update. Um, I don't have Janine here to do it with me. Ugh, sad, sad things. But anyway, what has Sarah Paulson been up to this week? Let's see. She posted a selfie today. So, I mean, the timeline has been lit up as a result of that. But 
she's kind of been she's oh you know what i think she's been generally laying low but the impeachment the first impeachment promo dropped and so she's posted about that beanie posted about that everybody who's involved with impeachment posted um so that's exciting and then she also posted a video of how she does her or how her brows um situation to play linda trip kind of like went down so we got a little insight into the brow situation what i will say is she fucking catfished us because i thought this video was going to be her getting her old brows back and a bitch was really excited um and then i looked at it and i was like why are they bleaching them again what the fuck so sad things but um sarah paulson does is yet to have her her original brows back but i'm praying for them to to arrive soon because i miss those bitches she has some fire brows they're so good and although i do think you know undoubtedly she can pull off the no brow look there's just there's only so much you can do with no brows and i feel like with the brows you can do a lot more i don't know i just also can't believe how fucking long it has taken to shoot impeachment this show better be fucking epic that's all i have to say about it because they have been putting these poor actors just like through it like they have been working on this shit for like damn near a year she started on this shit like last august i think if not earlier let's see when did she first post that weird scary pic of the camera monitor let's find out okay no i was wrong <laughs> sorry november 13th 2020 okay so not quite a year but she's been working on it for a minute and they're still not done and it's premiering like next month this month uh. also american horror story premieres at the end of this month which is so insane i can't believe it um so that's i guess that's it for the update but exciting times um cannot wait to have her with like i would say i was gonna say can't wait to have her on my screen again i fucking watch things with sarah paulson in them all the time but it's like i want a new thing like i love getting to see her act in new shit because there is like i've seen so much of her work like multiple times that it's like you know i love to rewatch, but it's also just so exciting to see her do something new and daring and i have to say i'm not gonna be hyped about the i'm pretty sure she's she's playing a cannibal on ahs i'm pretty fucking sure i think we've all come to that conclusion at this point not hyped about that but you know what like she can pull it off if anybody can it's her so like i'm gonna watch it like i'm not gonna deprive myself of watching a sarah paulson performance just because she is a cannibal okay she's probably gonna make a a pretty good performance i i have faith that she can make even a cannibal at least somewhat appealing to audiences and and add to the story so i guess we'll see and i think her name is karen which is just hilarious I don't have a geography question for myself because I'm a geography expert. That's why I ask the question every week. <laughs> Sorry, that's bullshit. I'm not a geography expert, but I, I also don't. I'm not going to ask myself a question. I could look up a quiz. I'm not going to do that. So we're going to just click ahead to my current obsession. And my current obsession, y'all, oh my God. I can't even talk about this. This is like, I'm going to like... I don't want to say incriminate myself, but it's just, this is going to be embarrassing, but I have to talk about it because I can't like lie, but I literally, I, I have, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with an actress and it is like, it is beyond like, I am in love with her. Like if I could, if I could get down on one knee and ask her to marry me tomorrow, I would. And I don't. I don't like to like project the fact that I'm obsessed with anybody because that is like weird, right? Like, I don't know. I don't want to like come off as like a weird, crazy person, but I'm in love with this woman. Her name is Molly Parker. Um, she's in many a thing, but probably best known as either the mom in Lost in Space. So yeah, or she plays Jackie on House of Cards, but this the past couple of weeks since I saw her in a show a couple weeks ago, I have gone down the Molly Parker rabbit hole and I am just, I'm, I'm floored. 
this woman can do literally anything she can she could step on my neck and I would say thank you um she she can play fucking anything and she's so beautiful and so just like oh she's so good and I have to talk about this movie that I watched because I always do this when I like kind of get interested in somebody as, as an actor and I like their work I do the thing where I like hyperfixate on them for a while and I watch every single thing they've ever been in because it's like I gotta like I gotta see the full breadth of her work right I think I'm not the only person who does this although I did for a long time think that I was the only person who did this and then I've found Twitter and I was like oh okay no I'm not the only person but she anyway she did this movie so I guess this movie's also kind of it's like a twofer Molly Parker is my current obsession but also this movie is my current obsession she did a movie called Madeline's Madeline in 2018 it premiered at Sundance it uh I think IndieWire was like this was the one of the greatest films of the 21st century I'd have to agree it's with it's her Helena Howard who is in the wilds and Miranda July who directed Kajillionaire they're like the three main characters and it's the film is directed by Josephine Decker who is like a fucking genius and I'm obsessed with her but I just love it when an actor who I find through the means of like a studio film or like a cable television show has done independent work because that shit is just so like I I can't tell you how excited I get when I find out that somebody has done has a career in indie movies in addition to their work in more studio and commercial projects because as much as I may like them in in their commercial projects there's just there is something about an indie movie that stretches an actor in a way that other things don't and when I tell you this movie, this movie took it. This movie wasn't like an hour and a half long. Maybe maybe like normal, like two hour movie length. It took me like four hours to watch it because it. I had to keep pausing it and like thinking about it, and just kind of like internalizing what I was experiencing as a viewer of the film. It's about a girl named Madeline, who's Helena Howard's character, who is a part of an adult theater troupe um because she's a pretty talented actress even though she's like 17 so she's this young girl in this adult collaborative theater ensemble in new york city and her teacher played by molly parker evangeline kind of becomes obsessed with her relationship with her mother and her mother's played by miranda july and she has a pretty dysfunctional relationship with her mom and kind of a weird home life and this this theater director becomes so obsessed with it that it starts to kind of pervade the work that they're doing in the theater collective and so the play that they're kind of collaborating on creating a play out of thin air out of their own you know experiences improvisation all that kind of stuff but it starts to become more and more about Madeline and her relationship with her mother and it is so fucking moving and just like mind-boggling to watch and I must say too like I'm going on and on about this movie but I literally could talk about it for hours I need somebody else to watch it so that I can talk to to them about it because it is wild and as somebody who spent a good like I don't know like 15 years doing not theater but um, dance and I was part of like you know improvisational dance collectives and weird like random collaborative shit like Portland Oregon dance scene is some fuck shit so like there's definitely like you know I've done it all in terms of dance and like I felt so I felt like Josephine Decker looked into my brain and made a movie out of like the weird trauma I have associated with with dance and made it into this movie and I don't even know how to like rationalize that or make that make sense but while I was watching it I was like holy fuck this is like this is what happens when a creative medium is kind of weirdly entwined with your with your personal life in a way that's unhealthy anyway Molly Parker and fantastic fan fucking tastic all three of those main actresses Helena Howard I can't even fucking talk about it she's oh my god she's like beyond like and it was her breakout film performance anyway that I guess that's my current obsession too so Molly Parker slash Madeline's Madeline if any literally if anybody watches that movie I've posted about it already on my story because I'm just so hungry to like talk about it with somebody but if anybody has seen that film literally just like dm me please like 
I I need to discuss it. It's so good. Um, I don't know, man, craziness. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna go pack because I'm moving to California in four days. Ooh, didn't haven't thought about that in a minute. That's a little less time than I feel like I thought I had. Um, and I'm saying it out loud and it sounds really scary. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me on this journey of discussing Luca and all my insane ramblings. I miss Jania. I know y'all do too. Um, I hope you missed me last week, (laughs) but, um, we will be back together in action next week. So get ready for that. I don't know what the fuck we're going to be watching, but it's going to be a vibe. It's going to be me and her back together again chopping it up so get ready um love you guys thank you for listening however many of you are still hanging on and and you know putting ears to this show all right bye besties